Let's pray and then and then we'll get started tonight. Lord, I thank you for for uh, what has been proclaimed so far. Um, that we have young people in this church who aren't ashamed, uh, that are growing in you and want uh, to worship you and to help others to worship you. Father, tonight I ask right now that your spirit would just allow me to speak truth um, from your word, that we would be able to hear your word and be encouraged by your word, even in the, the places where it is hard to hear. Um, Lord, help us tonight, soften our hearts, help us to receive your word and to uh, just make any changes that, that you want us to make in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, peer pressure, okay? We've all had to deal with peer pressure in our lives, right? Teens, do you guys ever deal with peer pressure? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, not from guys as good looking as Thaddeus, but right? Uh, I'm having my own scenario of peer pressure that I'm having to deal with, all right? Everybody knows that New Moon came out on Friday, right? It's the Twilight Saga. It broke the world record for box office on Friday uh, for a one-day total, and uh, I don't want to see this movie, not because I have any moral qualms with it, you know, any spiritual you know, deficiencies that I see in it. Uh, I just think it's going to be silly. And, you know, some people love it. Some people wanted to see it. That's up to you and your parents to decide whether y'all see it or not. Um, I don't want to see it, but I have someone who wants me to see it. And they are begging to take me to go see this movie. It's a girl. It's not in any kind of date kind of thing. But it's just they want to take me to it just to torture me. Seriously, that's, that's all they want me to see this movie for. Now, Charlie says that I should not go see this movie because I'm just giving in to peer pressure. You know, it's not a sinful thing that I'm going to do, but I'm just going to do it because someone's pressuring me to do it. Should I do it? No. Uh, but I probably will. Um, unfortunately. Just, just so she doesn't cry. Um, So what happens when we're in the situation of peer pressure? We've all been in those situations, and many of us have failed in those situations. We have given in to the peer pressure. We have gone along with what everyone else was trying to tell us, or even you know, feel like they were forcing us to do it. So what would you do? Uh, turn with me tonight to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, verse 15. And we have a situation here, I'm going to set it up, uh, where Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He's appeared to his disciples a couple of times already. And now he has appeared to them again. And he's just miraculously provided a huge catch of fish for Peter and some other disciples. And... They're eating the fish and bread on the beach. Pastor Lee likes to say they're having boiled fish and Johnny cake, right? It's early in the morning. They're having this meal. And uh, Jesus sits down with Peter, sits down alone with Peter. And he, he asks him 
some very penetrating questions, some very important questions, specifically for Peter. Now, what, well, let's get to it, and then, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit. We're going to do more of a little Bible study tonight. I'm not really going to preach so much, but we're going to look at, um, look at this passage and see how uh, we can apply this to our hearts. Uh, John chapter 21, verse 15. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. All right. So Jesus sits down with Peter. But what condition is Peter in? Mentally, spiritually, Peter is the one that was, he was the head disciple, the chief disciple, the one who would always speak up when Jesus asked a question, the one who would always volunteer whenever there was a task to be done. But Peter also has denied Jesus before he was crucified. Peter denied Jesus how many times? Three times. And we're going to see how that relates uh, a little bit later. Um, And so he sits down with Peter. And have you ever, you know, when someone comes up to you and says, hey, we need to talk. But you know that you have done something wrong. You hate that, right? You, You just... You start, your mind starts to run and you start to think, oh, what do they want to talk to me about? Oh, they're going to yell at me. Oh, they're going to do all these things to me. And I can just picture Peter being really nervous. Jesus asks him, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Okay. Now, what are these? Anybody want to guess? Megan says the fish. Good. That's what Pastor Lee believes. Um, I tend to believe, and I'm, this might be heresy to go against Pastor Lee, uh, I tend to believe he was talking about the people. I think it could go either way. I think he, if he's talking about the, the other disciples, I think it could apply. If he's talking about the fish, um, because this is Peter's livelihood. Peter went back to fishing after, you know, the resurrection, after he betrayed Jesus and the resurrection and everything. And uh, so Jesus is saying, maybe, Peter, do you love me more than this job that provides everything for you? That provides money, that provides food. Or he could be saying, Peter, do you love me more than these other people love me? And I think it's direct... uh, it's getting directly into Peter's heart. Because what did, what did Peter say in Matthew 26? This is what he said. Let's find my place. Okay. This is when Jesus told them that uh, he was going to be crucified. And Peter jumps up and says, Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, 
even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. But what really happened? Peter did deny him. And he denied him three times. All right? Now, Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? Now, a few weeks ago on Friday night, we talked about the Greek words for love. What are they? Filio and agape, right? Okay? Now, Jesus asked Peter, do you agape me more than these things? Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But Peter does not say agape. Peter says filio. All right? What's agape and what's filio? Agape is unconditional, self-sacrificing, long-term love, right? Willing to give anything. Jesus asks him, do you agape me? Peter says, I filio you. Is there a difference? There is. I think there is. <laughs> um, I think Peter understands what Jesus is asking him. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than all of these people? Or maybe he's saying, do you love me more than this job or more than food? Do you love me more than these things? And Peter knows what Jesus is talking about. We're going to turn to Luke 14. We're going to spend some time there. Uh, just to get an idea of, I think, why Peter responds to say, I filio you. I like you. I, I approve of you. I think you're good. But I can't say agape right now. Turn to Luke 14, verse 25. It says, uh, now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Some of you say, I am a great disciple because I hate my brothers and sisters, Right? I am a great disciple. I, I, man, my wife gets on my nerves. I am a great disciple. Uh, I hate my mom and dad. Boy, Jesus must be really proud of me. Is that really what Jesus means? That's what he said. Okay? He said, unless, unless you, he does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, that's an easy one, right? Yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So the situation we have here is that there are a ton of people following Jesus. Jesus is really popular. Uh, everybody thinks he's really cool. You know, he says some nice things. He has cool teachings. We might get to watch a miracle. Uh, it's a great show being around Jesus. Hey, sometimes there's even free food. Uh, you know, there's probably some Bahamians in the mix. And, uh, you know, the totas come to tote the food home. Uh, and I think Jesus, you know, Jesus doesn't want people who are merely admirers of him. It's clear Jesus is making some shocking statements. 
to get people to, to filter out those who are less than committed. Okay? And the first thing he says to them is he says, if you do not hate your own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, even your own life. Does that make ears perk up? I think it does. But what does he mean? Um, in, in Matthew chapter 10, uh, Jesus, we get a, a better kind of clarification on this. Jesus says, um, you must love me more than your father and mother. You must love me more. That's, that's what he means. This is a Jewish way of expressing an idea that you must love me more than your father and your mother. All right? You must give preference to me. So the first thing Jesus says is, a true disciple, someone who loves me, believes that I am more valuable than family or friends. And this is where the idea of peer pressure, we can combat the idea of peer pressure. We can say, when we're under that peer pressure, when we're in this situation, we can say, do I love these people more than I love Jesus? Because Jesus is asking for a total commitment to himself. He's saying, you must see me as more valuable than your friends or your family. And what Jesus is doing is he is tackling the idol of relationships. Because there are so many of us that have, there might be that one certain person in our life that we would do anything for. Even be disobedient to God. A true disciple of Jesus won't compromise to please other people, no matter how much you love them. And when you do choose Jesus over these people, these people will think that you hate them. Parents, have you ever uh, disciplined your child and the child turns around and asks you, why do you hate me? Boyfriends and girl, girlfriends do this a lot. You know, a boy, a guy chooses someone else over her and, you know, why are you acting like you hate me? Um, we see this in, in Luke chapter 2 even. We see uh, when Jesus was in the temple when he was 12 years old, uh, he, would, he had been lost for three days and his parents, they finally found him in the temple and they came to him and they said, why have you treated us like this? But Jesus said, I'm supposed to be in the father's in my father's house. He had chosen his father over his earthly parents. And what did his parents think? You're treating us poorly. And so people will misunderstand you. They will think that you don't like them and they may turn on you for that. But through the misunderstandings, you must love Jesus more than these people, than anyone else. So, Jesus wants to be number one in your life. Not co-number one, not behind your mom and dad, not behind your best friends, not behind 
your boyfriend or your girlfriend. There is no person that you should look to, look at them and say, I would do anything for them, even if it means disobeying God. Jesus wants full commitment to himself above anyone else. How do you compare to that right now? How do you feel about that? Can you say, yes, I love Jesus more than anyone else. I wouldn't compromise for anyone over him. Uh, one of my goals tonight is to absolutely depress you. Um, to make you depressed and to, so that when you compare yourself to the demands of Jesus, you'll look at it and you'll say, there's no way I can do that. But hopefully, by the end, you will be encouraged. Uh, we'll go through, a, we'll be bipolar tonight, okay? We'll, we'll be depressed, and then we'll be encouraged, all right? Um, so the, the first statement Jesus says is, you've got to choose me. You've got to look at me and see me through the eyes of faith as more valuable than anyone else on the planet. The second thing he says, he says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. A true disciple believes that Jesus is more valuable and will hold on to Jesus through any suffering. Jesus is attacking the idol of comfort. The true disciple doesn't say, I refuse to bear this burden or this pain. A true disciple doesn't go through suffering and say, you know what, this suffering is too much. If I, if I just didn't have to obey God's word, this suffering wouldn't feel so bad. I could do something to make me feel better. And so I'm going to turn away from Jesus just to ease my suffering for a while. A true disciple doesn't say that. This weeds out those people who only commit to Jesus when it's going good. Among all those in the crowd. But when trouble hits, they run away. Jesus is great until my finances are in trouble. Jesus is great until my kids start being disobedient. Jesus is great until my boyfriend or my girlfriend breaks up with me. Right? Temptations become intense. Or people start making fun of me, and I can't deal with that. I can't deal with that suffering. My image is being tarnished. Jesus says, no suffering will turn you away from him for a true disciple. What does it mean to carry a cross? What did it mean for those people back, back then? They were carrying a cross because, why? What do you say, Fabian? Consequences of their actions. They committed a crime. They've been convicted of that crime. Now they've got to carry their cross. They've got to drag their cross through the streets to the place where they are going to be executed. And on their cross is nailed up all the crimes that they've committed, the reasons that they have been uh, Convicted. And so they have to drag this through the public streets. And what's, what's happening to them? People are seeing them. 
Some people are mocking them. It's a totally embarrassing, shameful kind of thing. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you've got to carry this cross. You've got to be willing to bear suffering. You've got to be willing to die. Even if it means people are looking at you, laughing at you, making fun of you, think that you're stupid. Jesus wants those people who can commit to him long term through any public pain or suffering that comes with it, including losing those friends who misunderstand you. The third thing he says, verse 28 says, For for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. All right, so Jesus is saying, you know, you start out good, but then you don't follow through. Either there's suffering that hits, either, you know, maybe uh, there are people who you really want to like you. And so you, you choose those people over Jesus. And you started out good, but then the trouble hit, and you just didn't finish. He says, you know, people are going to mock you for that. So it seems like you're trying to live a Christian life, but you give up at it. People look at you and say, wow, I thought you were a Christian. You just didn't, what? Was it real? It wasn't really real? No? Uh, Jesus isn't real? Okay. And so they start making fun of you. Or you're a really committed Christian and they make fun of you anyway. It looks like no matter what you do, you're going to be mocked. I say, choose the way that leaves you uh, committed to Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're trying to be a Christian, you're going to end up mocked. Don't be mocked for, as being someone who started out and didn't finish. Be mocked as someone who is being faithful. Verse 30, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. 31, or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. He says all that to say verse 33. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. A true disciple believes that Jesus is more valuable than any possession. He is attacking the idol of materialism. He's attacked the idol of relationships. He's attacked the idol of comfort. Now he's attacking the idol of materialism. A true disciple is willing to give up anything that God asks them to. You don't live like, I, I need Jesus because I have this. You will pursue Jesus over pursuing anything, whether it be a house, a relationship, uh, a car, an athletic achievement, a job, or even an education. 
you will be willing to give all of that up if Jesus asks you to. You would be, if Jesus asked you to go to Africa and be a missionary, you would do it. You would give up everything that you have here. You'd give up all your video games, you'd give up your car, your house. If Jesus asked you to do it, you would go. How many of us are really there? How many of us are really there to give everything up that Jesus asked us to? Right? Not that those things are bad. But could you give it up? Because you value Jesus so highly. Because you look at him and you see his worth. You see what he's done for you. You see who he is. And you say, I'm willing to do whatever you tell me to do. Even if it means giving up everything that I have. So, this is the level of commitment that Peter knows Jesus is asking him for. And Peter knows that he has made the boldest declaration to say, I will never leave you. If everyone else leaves you, I will never leave you. I will die for you. And when it came time to actually back it up with actions, Peter failed. As most of us have. And so Peter, hearing this question from Jesus saying, do you love me? Are you willing to sacrifice everything for me? Peter responds, I like you. And so Jesus changes the question. Verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He, do, he, he doesn't say, do you love me more than these? Just ask him now. I didn't ask you if you like me. I'm asking you, do you love me? Do you love me sacrificially? Are you committed 100% to me? Peter responds the exact same way. He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But he doesn't use agape again. He says, I filio you. I think Peter is just, he doesn't want to make that declaration again knowing that he just failed. Knowing that he just betrayed the Son of God. Not betrayed, Judas betrayed him, but he denied him. Jesus says, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, how many times did Peter deny him? Three times. Jesus comes and asks him a third time. Said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, in this question, Jesus says, Filio. Simon, son of John, do you even like me? And he said to him, well, Peter was grieved. Because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I think what Jesus is doing 
is that he knows what's in Peter's heart. But Peter isn't sure based on his previous actions. Peter knows he's messed up. Just like every single one of us in here, I hope, would admit that we have messed up. That we don't live the self-sacrificing love for God that we should. But I think what Jesus is doing is he is coming down to Peter's level. I think Jesus is saying, all right, do you, do you love me in this brotherly, approving kind of way? Because Peter, Peter was the one who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter could say the right things about Jesus. He believed the right things. But when it came to the action, what, what was he really going to do? And so Peter says, yes, I believe all these things about you. I approve of you. But I'm nervous about saying, I agape you. Just like I'm sure many of us are. We don't want to lie. And like I said, I think Jesus is coming down to Peter's level to say, okay, you, you like me. You love me in a brotherly way, but maybe you're not sure about the agape thing yet. Here's what I want you to know. Verse 18 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. Jesus says, I know you don't think right now you can say that you love me with a sacrificial love, but here's where your life is going. One day, as you start from this place where you say you like me and you love me in the brother in a brotherly way, one day you will come to the point where you are going to die for me. And tradition tells us that Peter did die for his faith. He was actually crucified like Jesus was, but he was crucified upside down. This is a tradition because he didn't consider himself worthy enough to be crucified like Jesus. So he said, crucify me upside down. And so what Jesus is doing, he is saying, I am accepting you where you are, but I am going to take you to this place where, yes, you will be a true disciple who is willing to give up his own life for me. What does Jesus say after this? After saying this to him, he said to him, follow me. He's saying, follow me. I'm accepting you where you're at. And for us, you know, we might, we, we're nervous about saying, I will follow Jesus to death. Because we don't really know exactly how we're going to respond to certain situations when they come up. When the peer pressure situations hit, we're not going to be perfect every single time. 
And so we look at that imperfection and we say, you know what, God can't use me. You know what, I'm just a teenager. God's not really that serious about me, but he is. He does want that. And if you are willing to let him take you from where you are at right now, just like he did with Peter, submit to him, receive his forgiveness for past mistakes, and let him take you on to a place of greater discipleship to recalculate counting the cost of what it's going to take to follow him. Because you may look at it right now and say, you know what, I can't do that. I'm not that committed. But I think if you're willing, if, if you're willing to submit to him and say, Lord, I know I'm not perfect. I know I fail. But I'm willing to follow you and let you teach me to let you take me where you want me to go, even in my imperfections, he will. Do you want to be used by God? Jesus told Peter about the way that his death was going to glorify God. Will your death glorify God? It could. If God takes you to that point, and you have trusted him, and you have submitted your lives to him, you could. The point of what I'm saying tonight is that although you may feel like you can't do it, like Christianity is too hard, like the rules are too much, I'm just not that into it. I don't think I can follow through on all this. Jesus will accept you as long as you are willing to let him take you where he wants you to go. Even if you failed, just like Peter did. Jesus restored Peter and turned him into a leader in the church. He can restore you. He can take you through all your failures and help you to become that true disciple that is willing to sacrifice everything for him. Will you do that tonight? Will you let him take you there tonight? Not because you are perfect, but because he is. Let's pray. Lord, I am not a perfect man. Everyone can testify to that. Um, I have huge mistakes in my past. And Lord, you have forgiven and you have restored and Father, I pray tonight for any teenager, any adult, anyone who, who has been struggling in their walk with you, who has felt like they aren't measuring up. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them tonight through Peter's example and through your words that although we may not be able to love you perfectly, you accept us where we are, but you don't let us stay there. And you teach us how to be better disciples because you love us. You agape us, even when we only filio you. Lord, may you bring all of our hearts to that place where we are willing to sacrifice any relationship, to go through any suffering, and to give up any possession 
because we love you that much. In Jesus' name, amen.